Today on Media Download, from Montclair State University and WMSC-FM, the latest on technology. Digital privacy is a concern. Streaming is king. It's trending now. And media issues. Let's start with the presidential campaign. The frontrunner is firmly in the lead in every national poll. What's the press's responsibility? I will not give him the credit he probably sought prior to this horrific and cowardly act. And top business headline news. It's online streaming versus Hollywood. Curated by your host, Meryl Brown. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Media Download. I'm Merrill Brown, Director of the School of Communication and Media at Montclair State University. The business of images is undergoing dramatic change and our guest today is a global leader in the field. Last week, Corbis Images announced the sale of their massive collection of photos to the Chinese company Visual China Group, which struck a deal with Getty Images to have those images sold exclusively through Getty. Today, Jonathan Klein, the co-founder and chairman of Getty Images, is joining me to discuss this complex transaction and photography's future. Klein co-founded Getty Images in 1995, serving as CEO for two decades before stepping down from that role last year, and now the company's content is distributed to customers in almost 200 countries. Jonathan is also an active leader in the fields of global health, education, and international press freedom. Recently, he was named number one on America's Photos list of 100 most important people in photography. Great having you on campus today, Jonathan. Welcome. Thank you, Merrill. Let's talk about the Corvus transaction. It's very important and obviously based on what you said in the Twitter sphere may, meant a lot to you. Tell us why it's so important and why it took so long to get it done. I think um, in our world of photography, it's probably the most important transaction in a very long time. For at least uh, 15 years, the two giants, if you like, of the industry were Getty Images and Corbus. Corbus, of course, owned by a guy who has another job, a chap called Gates, started Microsoft and is now probably the world's biggest philanthropist. He's always owned Corbus. And over the years, we've competed with Corbus and have had a great respect for the content that they have. They decided to sell their images business to take the funds from that sale and put it into an advertising business that they also have. And uh, it makes this a very important transaction, uh, in particular for customers, because now customers can come to Getty Images throughout the world, outside China, though, and they will be able to get access to the Getty collection, as well as the Corbus collection, as well as the 350 other image partners that we represent, companies like In Time Life, the NBA, just to name two. Um, people uh, may not be as familiar with the business model and why yes. Getty Images is such an extraordinary company. We read less news. We read fewer newspapers in print form than we used to, and that might suggest to some people that the business isn't what it might have been in another era. That's not the case. Tell us why. The simple reason it's not the case is that imagery has become the most spoken language, as I like to put it, on the planet. People argue with me. They say that Mandarin is more spoken. But in fact, there's over 7 billion people on Earth who intrinsically understand imagery. And if you're under 35, you communicate virtually entirely with imagery. The most uh, powerful, the most popular apps and social media sites are all imagery sites, whether that's a Snapchat, a Pinterest, or of course a Facebook. So we're in a world now where we're communicating increasingly with imagery. What's basically happened with the decline of print and the rise of digital is that our business has changed from one where we sold relatively few images to relatively few customers. 15 years ago, 60,000 images a year to 30,000 customers. 
to now where we sold in the last quarter 100 million images and we have about 1.2 million customers. So what's essentially happened is the popularization or the democratization of imagery at both ends of the scale, the supply end through the fact that people can take pictures much more easily and the demand end under which all sorts of companies and all sorts of people of all sizes can now use imagery to communicate. So that's why we've been able to flourish for 20 years with a few bumps in the road, certainly as businesses transitioned from print to more digital. And what does it mean that we all carry a relatively high quality camera in our pockets these days? I think what it means is firstly we're more image literate. Secondly, we express ourselves and communicate with our friends much more with imagery. Thirdly, we as a business in this industry have significantly more sources of supply. So 15 years ago, I gave you some numbers on, on customers and sales, but 15 years ago we had about 15,000 photographers under contract. We now have 230,000. So we're getting a lot more social photography, we're getting a lot more local photography, we're getting a lot more natural photography as opposed to posed photography. So it's actually helped us because we've been able to grow the supply side of the business as well as have customers more image literate. When uh, the acquisition of the rights was announced to the Corbus work, you tweeted uh, very cleverly, almost 21 years, but got it. Lovely to get the milk, the cream, the cheese, yogurt, and the meat without buying the cow. Tell us what you meant by that. What I meant by that was uh, Corbus was started six years before Getty Images. We've been competing with Corbus for 21 years. I've always had a great respect for the content, but I really didn't want to buy the company. I didn't want to take on the hundreds of employees, the thousands of photographer contracts, the offices around the world, their technology, their, their whole infrastructure. So by getting the Chinese to buy the content and the company and giving us exclusive global distribution of the content, um, we were able to, to get the benefits without necessarily acquiring uh, the cow, horse, or whichever um, animal you care to choose. So obviously an accomplishment you're extraordinarily proud of. It's going to be great for the company going forward, but it's no longer a company you're running on a daily basis Correct. as CEO, and that is ironic, but satisfying or makes you uncomfortable that that's the case? Oh, extremely satisfying. I started uh, Getty Images and um, 20 years to the day, literally to the day, in the same office where we started the company with my co-founder. We had a big party for 20 years. I talked about the past. I talked about the future. And then I explained that I thought that it would be in the interest of the business for somebody with a different perspective to take the company forward to the next stage of development. And we did a big search all over the world. And I'm very happy with a lady we found uh, whose background was very much in the creative industries, in television in particular. Her last job was running Yahoo in Europe. And she's been in the job about four months. And I love the fact that I can step back and look at my baby, if you like, through a different lens. And her name is? Her name is Dawn Airy. And Dawn is uh, very dynamic, um, very much focused on the creative, the talent side of the business. And uh, we have plans to expand our business into the consumer market and monetize imagery through advertising, which we've never done, notwithstanding our millions and millions of um, viewers. And also we have some very valuable data 
which we think we can productize and sell or license to various companies who are interested in what people, what images are appealing to which people where and at what times. So among the most popular social media sites in the world are sites like Instagram, yes. built on photography, uh, on basically nothing else but photography in the case of Instagram, uh, by and large. What does, what does that mean? That, that means, among mm. other things, that there's a massive platform in all of our pockets for the work of my friends and my business associates and so forth and people I follow, and yet that leaves plenty of room for Getty, I assume. Yes, I mean, I'm often asked, and I thought you were going to ask me this question, so I'll ask it myself. <laughs> I'm often asked, um, now that everybody has a camera, what does that mean for professional organizations? And when a journalist asks me that question, what I always ask them, and I, I could do the same with you, but this is a non-visual um, it's a podcast. What I, what I say is, can I borrow your pen? And they give me their pen or pencil, and I hold it up, and I say, I'm now a journalist? The mere fact that I have the tool of your profession, which is a pen, if you're a journalist, or you have the tool of my photographer's and videographer's profession, which is a camera, doesn't make you a photographer, a videographer, or a photojournalist. And I think talking to you on campus today, I think that's particularly relevant. There are an enormous number of, of skills which can be taught, and there is an enormous number of, of skills which cannot be taught, which, m which differentiates somebody who happens to have the equipment versus somebody who's actually creating something and telling a great story and engaging people. So whilst there might be billions of images shot every day, if you look at most websites for new sport or entertainment, you will find that the overwhelming majority of imagery on there is professionally shot. Historically, uh, though, Getty is not a video-centric company. We live in an increasingly video-centric world with video all around us, on our phones, via Netflix, distribution means that we would never have considered just a few years ago. What does the video revolution mean for a place like Getty today? Well, we certainly um, have less of a reputation in video, but we are by far the largest stock video, commercial video uh, business around. And in the last five years, we've put a very big focus on two things on the video side. The first is that we've sought out other partners to distribute their video. So instead of us doing all the production, we have a number of partners. So for example, we're exclusive distributor of all BBC video. And obviously that's a huge collection and also everything that NHK in Japan produces. We also distribute video for, for the AP, for Bloomberg News and various others. And the other part of it is that we've invested quite significantly in what was the hardest part of moving video quickly, and that was the ingestion of video. We can now ingest video, categorize it, and put it up on the sites in the multiple formats that video requires uh, extremely quickly, as quickly as stills. Video is almost 10% of our revenues now, um, so very important. And finally, uh, an increasing number of our photographers in the field um, not in sports, but in news and entertainment, are also doing video and doing interviews with their subjects that they've been photographing with stills. It helps that you have the same equipment for both quite often. Uh, interesting. It's interesting to watch that evolution, and we'll be watching it even as you merely chair the company. <laughs> um, so let's talk about you. You're uh, just recently into the world of looking at new opportunities and thinking through uh, your personal life in a different way, a life that's taken you from South Africa to London to Seattle to New York. What next? Well, 
certainly still New York. I really love living in New York. I'm a kind of media guy and I'm fascinated by media and New York is a phenomenal media center. And before people say, what about LA? LA is not a media center. LA is an entertainment center and there's a fundamental difference between the two. I'm much more comfortable with media than entertainment. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of stepping back. I, I have seven boards. Um, three of them are for-profit, four of them are non-profit. I'm very passionate about the non-profit areas. You mentioned them in the introduction, you know, education, global health, and press freedom, uh, to name but three. I grew up in South Africa, so I'm very connected with, with that part of the world. And I'm sort of looking at, at, at what I really want to do. I'm fortunate enough to be able to spend a little bit of time to figure that out. So um, I don't know what I'm going to be good at. So I've got to look at two things. What am I good at? What do I enjoy? And I also think that um, it needs to have some meaning without getting too profound. Well, well, most people judge us and what we're good at by what we've done, and you've built a global media company basically from scratch. Might you do that again? I don't think I'd want to build another company from scratch. It's really hard, and the odds of being successful as a startup are extremely low. And we, we over the 20 years, have had some more than one near-death experience as a company, and um, we were lucky that they were only near-death experiences rather than death. The other thing that I'm very focused on as well is that when you've built a company like this, there is a tendency to think that one is very smart, and that's a big mistake. Never mistake luck for genius. Um, so I don't think I could do it again. I definitely think that I can bring the skills in running a big company, in building a company, in working with talent to other areas. Um, I believe in particular that the fundamental difference between success and failure in a lot of companies is culture. So I'm very focused on the culture that we've built and very proud of the culture we've built. And I think that that's underappreciated um, in business schools and various other areas. We're in an economy today where the, where the best and the brightest can work whatever they want and paying them the most doesn't always keep them there. You, they've got to be doing good, meaningful work with people who aren't assholes. And my no asshole rule has served us well and I can talk to other companies and help other companies around that. I also enjoy working with young entrepreneurs. I'm on a couple of boards where I'm helping young CEOs. So I'll, s I'll see what's out there. Um, I don't know if I'd be a good teacher. Um, and that's something I also sometimes think about. Well, I would certainly say that based on people I know at your company, you've been a very important teacher to many of them. And uh, I hope you'll get a chance to do that at places like even Montclair State University from time to time. I don't see why not. You've got a phenomenal campus here. I think that what you're doing is forward thinking and exciting and bringing the various disciplines together and you know preparing young people for entering the world of media, which is obviously very different from the way it was when you and I entered it all those years ago. Well, hopefully we'll work at that together. Thank you. Um, if you'd like more information about this episode of Media Download, you can email us at gm at wmscradio.com or call us at 973-655-3135. Pleasure to have Jonathan Klein on campus today. And for all of us at Montclair State, thank you. I'm Merrill Brown. Thanks for listening.